truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show. And happy Friday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace, Todd Erzin, and Aaron McIntyre. They are here with me as well. We have a very special guest for the Dace Group Roundtable, our good friend Daniel Horowitz. We will say hello to him here in just a moment. 888-900-3393 is the number here at The Blaze. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's how you can email the program if you would like to do so. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you're looking for samples to sample or share of this show, the video portion, YouTube.com slash Steve Dace is how you can do that. YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. <clears throat> Pardon me. It is a Friday. I'm really choked up about that, which means we have some of your, some of your feedback to get to next hour of the show. But before we take a look at what you have to say, we've got to take a look back at what the crazy voices in our head had to say first. It is time for the day group. Your weekly look at the week that was with a hefty dose of woe and lamentation this week thrown in, courtesy of our good friend Daniel Horowitz. Let's get let's get to issue though number one. You want some woe and lamentation? Here it comes. Bleep, Democrats say. Public service announcement. Excuse me. If y'all didn't know, this is the MSC, and frankly, there's just too many white people in here and this is a space for people of color so just be really cognizant of the space that you're taking up because it does make some of us POCs uncomfortable when we see too many white people in here it's only been open for four days and frankly there's the whole university for a lot of y'all to be at and there's very few spaces for us so keep that in mind thank you we feel entitled to artificially inseminate a cow and we believe that Things will get better when workers of the world unite. And when she gives birth, we steal her baby, even though her cries of anguish are unmistakable. The year is now 2020, and here we women are, still in so many ways, not fully free, still shackled. And then we take her milk that's intended for her calf, and we put it in our coffee and our cereal. In addition to pay discrimination, we face pregnancy discrimination. Where has your economic model ever worked? Celebramos tu pertenencia en este país y si este país es tu país también. You would say that possession of heroin is not illegal. Is not going to be dealt with through incarceration. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. You text Joe two three. Excuse me, I got to get this right. Joe two three oh three three oh. It is important that Iowa and Nevada have spoken. Well, guess what? The fact is, if you're going to take on the government, you need an F-15 with Hellfire missiles. There's no way an AK-47 is going to take care of you. We have made do with crumbs for so long. And Bernie has said, hey, we're starving in this country. We can't subsist on these crumbs anymore. Why can't we demand the whole pie? I'm not for that much 
Socialism. I always say socialism, capitalism plus. I don't feel bad about having money. I'm already giving you over half, and what I've managed to save after you took over half, now you're going to come after that with a wealth tax? Think about doing the wrong thing the way Mr. Trump did with General Suleiman. We have to ask, does that help us build a coalition of countries around the world to do the right thing? It absolutely does not. Being all by ourselves, being the empire in the Star Wars movie, does not put us in a position to get done what we need to get done. I voted for Amy Klobuchar. Tell me why. Uh, I actually went in and eeny, meeny, miny, moed it. You're kidding no, me. No, between Literally two candidates. Literally in the booth. In the booth. Because the sheets are signed not only by the precinct chair and the precinct secretary. <laughs> that video... I love it with the chairman of the now former, we should say former chairman of the Iowa Democratic Party attempting to stand up there and explain away whatever the hell this caucus cycle was. And then the placard just falls off right there at the podium as he starts to talk. That's that's some providential stuff right there, folks. But let's get to it. Todd, I'll start with you. What tossed your salad this week, my friend? What are you into? It's Joaquin Phoenix. I think when you won the Oscar for actually playing the Joker and your speech is even weirder than the Joker. <laughs> that, okay. That's everything. That's the, the gig is done. The gig's done. And Joaquin. By the way, have you been following Joaquin Phoenix's life for like the last 10 years? That's the classiest and most dignified he has looked in a public setting since when, do you think? Uh, in the 21st century, maybe I'm dead serious when I say that. I mean, like he has, you know, he's been off on some wild tips, yes. man. I mean, he stands up there and he looks like a real Hollywood, middle-aged Hollywood movie star, right? He's got a certain savoir faire and he opens his mouth. We artificially inseminate cows. <laughs> and I got to wonder if other people in the room, even in that room were like, like that, like one of my favorite gifts. You know what I'm saying? That, like the guy in the mullet. What, what is this? We artificially inseminate cows. Is this Joker too? And they're filming this right now in real time. And when you juxtapose his deep concern for the baby cows with what Michelle Williams said at an award show like a month ago about what she had to do, get on with her life, is to kill the baby humans. There's just layers and layers of meaning in that thing. The good thing is, though, Aaron Rodgers, your quarterback, he doesn't want to worship a god that would allow people uh, that that think uh, the milk of a ca- the milk for a calf is more valuable than a human being. He he doesn't want to worship a god that would allow those people to end up in a place like hell. So there's that. Yeah, he took that whole relaxed thing a little too far. He did, uh, starting with his brain. Daniel, your turn. What was your favorite uh, in Aaron's montage this week? Well, I'm disappointed you didn't put Ivanka's global female empowerment in there. I think that would have fit well, maybe maybe for next week's. Gosh, what tosses my salad? What doesn't toss my salad? Um, let's go with the one I think everyone will understand. Steve, what is the swamp? I'm saying if you had to define something that is the swamp, you would say it's this notion that in order to reach out to people of color, as someone in that video said, well, we need to go and if it's poor people of color, it means socialism. If it's Hispanics, it means open borders. And if it's African-Americans, it means we love criminals. Okay, that, that was the swamp mindset. So in comes Bloomberg campaigns for president. And rather 
than going after Bloomberg on opening up the prisons now. That's what he wants to do. And then taking away our guns as he lets out the gun felons. Pretty nice argument to combat him with. Trump's campaign manager seeks to attack him from the left. He's racist because I caught past statements the guy said where he actually said most of the murder in New York is committed by non-whites and defending stop and frisk. I mean, Steve, what's next? I mean, are we going to say, hey, Amy Klobuchar actually supported border security in 2006, so uh, she's anti-Hispanic? I mean, this is the sort of swamp crap for which we elected Trump. I mean, you look from man to beast and beast to man, and you couldn't tell the difference. Have him on Thursday, they said. (laughs) It'll be fun, they said, or Friday, whatever day this is. Oh, geez. Oh, well, that didn't take long. That didn't take long. Todd, what's your name over there? What day is it? Aaron. (laughs) Who are my employees? Um... I'm glad Iowa and Nevada went first. It's probably (laughs) along the lines of what Daniel was saying, the general sentiment about about the swamp. My favorite one, because she is all of us, really. All of us. The the one, the second to last clip where the woman says, I did eeny, meeny, miny, (laughs) moe to decide who I was going to vote for. I mean... Daniel and and Steve and Todd, any one of us could come up with five examples off of the top of our head if we went and looked at any Republican, honestly, any Republican and who they faced during their election battle. And we could have just gone eeny, meeny, miny, moe and probably gotten the same results 95 percent of the time. So I like that one the most because, as you noted earlier this week, Steve, She's probably the most honest, and honestly, while we're being honest, because we weren't before, um, <laughs> while we're being honest, that's that's basically what all of us do anyway. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe, yeah. it could be. Who who the heck knows? Please, someone save us. Uh, that's that's basically what we do on a, on a, on a yearly basis. You got to love uh, former Sex in the City star Cynthia Nixon, who's worth about $20 million. That's her net worth up there. Uh, railing on behalf of the proletariat, going Das Kapital and uh, shaking her fist uh, for Bernie Sanders while he's flying first class, maybe on his way to his first, second, or third home. Who knows? Let's get to the exit question. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being as limp and flaccid as Mitt Romney's claim, he is, quote, profoundly religious, and 10 being as determined and zealous as Mitt Romney's love of himself, Rate this week's level of total depravity, Todd. Nine. Nine. Wow. Aaron. 8.5. 8.5. Daniel, where are you? 10. He's at a 10. All right. Let's get to issue two. Nevada. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, New Hampshire. The New Hampshire primary is now in the books, and Bernie Sanders is your victor, but with a smaller margin than many forecasted. The socialist nearly beat former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg by about 4,000 votes. Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar came in a surprising third at 19.8%, followed by Elizabeth Warren way back and forth at 9.2%. Joe Biden followed up one disaster in Iowa with another in New Hampshire and finished in a distant fifth place at 8 
0.4%. A few of the exit polls from NBC show just 10% of New Hampshire voters get their news from Twitter. Another exit poll showed 11% of New Hampshire Democrat voters are aged 17 through 29. That's down from 19% in 2016. Another exit poll showed 69% of New Hampshire Democrat primary voters support free public college, while 61% support single-payer health care. A CNN exit poll showed white voters chose Sanders, followed closely by Pete Buttigieg and not too far off Amy Klobuchar, while non-white voters chose Sanders by a two-to-one margin over Joe Biden, 32% to 16%. That's followed closely by Pete Buttigieg. The vote totals for the winners of contested New Hampshire primaries in recent cycles are as follows. In 2000, John McCain won the state with 115,000 votes. 2004, John Kerry had 84,000 votes. 2008, McCain won again with 88,000. 2008, Clinton won with 112,000. 2016, Trump won with 100,000. And in 2020, Bernie Sanders won with just 72,000 votes. What's interesting in the trend line there is in all the years that the party who's New Hampshire primary winner, even if they didn't go on to win the nomination, Hillary didn't in 98, Buchanan, or I'm sorry, in 08, Buchanan didn't in 96. But whenever that party's uh, New Hampshire primary winner wins with a lower, with a low vote total, that party has lost the general every single time. And when their uh, party's uh, winner has won with a high vote total, regardless of who is, who is the nominee, that party has won the general every time. Just an interesting trend. Daniel, I'll start here with you uh, on New Hampshire. What happened in this primary, do you think, and why? I think you just said it, actually. I don't know if you meant to say it, but what it portends for the general election. So again, I'm always looking at opportunities for conservatives because I don't give a damn about Democrats. Um, What could we do? What could we benefit from that? So you have this uncanny dichotomy where on the one hand, they're on their way to nominating an avowed anarchist socialist. But on the other hand, it's only a quarter of the electorate in New Hampshire. Um, If you add Elizabeth Warren's totals, who, you know, she's the other person running in the socialist lane, It's about a third of the electorate. And I think what's interesting, you look at New Hampshire and then especially in the suburbs, uh, places like Rockingham County, which is on the coast. And that is a county Democrats need to do well in. And and I think that really does portend when Republicans win that county by five or more points, they usually win the general election. And Bernie Sanders did horribly there. What it demonstrates is Twitter is not America. MSNBC is not America. And it's not even a majority of the Democrat electorate. You asked that early on in this process. We're going to find out whether the Democrat electorate is as uniformly insane as what we see portrayed. And I think while a lot of them do get into misguided policies here and there, as as, uh, Aaron explained in some of the exit polling data, most of them at least thought they were voting for people who are perceived as as, uh, moderates, at least about two-thirds of the electorate chose people that, you know, Buck Gang and Klobuchar and then the, you know, uh, Gabby, uh, give, give, uh, um, what's her name? Tul- Tulsi Gabbards mm-hmm. and a couple of the other ones. They are perceived as somewhat out of the box from the Democrat establishment and then certainly not socialist anarchist. Again, to me, what that demonstrates is the majority aren't like that, but because of their dynamics, they're nominating Sanders. Republicans have a massive once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to win back suburban voters. What do you think, Todd? Well, it says two things to me, um, many things I'll highlight, too. 
it's mostly about the uh, the falling out of confirming Biden and uh, Elizabeth Warren, which I, I never believed either one had a chance. I've been saying is uh, so as as far back as the late summer. Pete, now everybody sees it. They they knew they had to move their votes somewhere else. That trend is uh, only going to continue. Uh, also, like in. Uh, uh, Iowa, where I said that uh, there's uh, evidence of uh, that uh, Buttigieg was going to do well uh, because of their leaders and like one third of the Iowa counties had uh, former Republicans or maybe they still think of themselves as Repub- Republicans working at high levels in his campaign. Uh, new voter turnout going uh, in the direction coming over uh, and crossing over to either uh, Buttigieg or Klobuchar was uh, pretty significant in this particular election. So Steve was just talking a couple of days ago about how votes are going to shift. If Trump gets more of a black vote, uh, does uh, how many people who are Republicans going to come over, certainly not vote for Sanders, but if they get to vote for a Buttigieg or a Klobuchar, will they, as opposed to voting for Trump? There seems to be some evidence that some will. I think there's far more evidence some would for a Buttigieg than a Klobuchar because... I, I, I need to tell the world I'm not homophobic. Like I needed to tell the world that I wasn't racist before. But I think that's I think that's a valid point. Aaron, I want to go to you before I double back on some of what Daniel said. Go ahead. So the, the overall takeaway uh, from New Hampshire is I, I think two things can be true at the same time. There is at least some segments. It could be large, could be small. But even in a state like New Hampshire, there is a segment, a significant segment of, of the Democratic Party that has not yet made their peace with Bernie Sanders. Whether that means that they will remain resolute and whether that, uh, you know, through through the uh, upcoming states that, I mean, well, time will tell. But that one, again, I, I hearken back to that one piece of exit polling from CNN about the non-white vote going to Bernie Sanders. If you want a bellwether maybe coming out of this of this particular primary that might be it, especially as we get into some of the more diverse states uh, coming up, especially in the southern region. Because uh, as much as uh, Democrats, as we know, love to be the, the party of intersectionality, I- I'm sorry to say for them that now that Andrew Yang has dropped out of the race, the last person of color that they have uh, running who's actually viable is Elizabeth Warren. And I just don't think that she's going to be. <laughs> 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 I see what you did. One twenty twentieth? Is that what she is now? Uh, yes. Ah, ah, yes. See what I did there? Yes, indeed. All right. So, Daniel, I want to go back to one of the some of the observations that you made there for a second, because I wholeheartedly agree with every word there. They they don't want him to be their nominee. But but the problem is there's no mechanism in, in their party to nominate a true ideological moderate. I mean, moderate in their party is defined by your temperament and not your position on the issues. Because the difference between what Amy Klobuchar is is articulating now and what Pete Buttigieg is articulating and Bernie Sanders is is nothing. I mean, you know, Pete Buttigieg was writing as a, as a teenager that Bernie Sanders was his political idol, for goodness sakes. But, but they're perceived as the moderates because of their temperament. That they're, they're not fist shakers. They don't yell at you. They don't, you know, they, they smile when they say, we're, we're coming to get you. But they don't, like, you know, take off their shoe and stomp the podium with it. So how do they avoid him as their nominee when their party infrastructure, the media propaganda, 
<clears throat> pardon me, the party leadership, etc. There's no place for a true ideological moderate to arise to crush him. So how do they avoid him being their nominee? I don't see a path that they can avoid it. I have come to your position that you you espoused a couple of weeks ago on the show that Bernie will be the nominee because of that. See, they have the they have the same problem we do, but from the inverse direction. What we've learned from these primaries, very interestingly, is that the Republican base, Republican primary voters, are to the right of where the party poobahs, the mm-hmm. elites, the apparatus is. Seventy percent of primary voters, many states a lot more than that voted for either Trump or Cruz, where, you know, the party establishment badly wanted one of the other ones. Whereas when it comes to the Democrats, we're seeing that the voters are actually more relatively moderate than where the party elites are. So I I very much think and I really do wonder if you had not a moderate running maybe on Bill Clinton's 90s platform, but a legitimate moderate relative to today um, that had the backing and didn't run. Theoretically, I think they could win, that there are enough voters that would want them. But exactly what you said, Mm -hmm. they're Fox News, except it's a little bit more diverse. They don't have a one Fox, but every version of it, whether it's online and digital and all the things that that really get the active people, it's not going to allow for it. It it is just simply not going to allow for it. But I'm just telling you, if you had someone talk about minimum wage, we'll give you this, some college help, health care. But look, you know, we're not going to harbor MS-13. Right, we're not we're, we're not going to do Medicare for all, but we'll have a subsidized buy-in yeah. public option if you can't afford your own insurance or an Obamacare plan. I'm pro-gay marriage, but we're not going to do bake the cake, bigot. Um, I'm pro-choice, um, but, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not for, uh, you know, late-term abortion, stuff like that. Stuff like that. Yeah, what, what I'm saying is the voters in the Democrat electorate, I think enough of them could sustain that. But- it's the same problem with us, just the mirror image. Agreed. Well, our voters want our stuff, but yep. we lose every freaking election yep. because, um, I mean, Trump was unique in different circumstances because the apparatus won't allow for it. So let's say Michael Bloomberg. From It's too late for him now to do what I'm suggesting, okay? But let's say from the outset he had run a candidacy that tested this theory that said, I, I, can, I can pull a Trump. I've got billions of dollars. I've got more money than Trump. I can do this. I can just set up my own economy of scale within the Democratic Party. And, and the point of my running is that I just think the Republican Party is too far right. And I'm going to articulate, you know, a Dwight Eisenhower JFK message. And, and I'm going to test the autonomy, the authority of the MSNBCs and the Voxes and the New York Times is of the world. And I'm going to, I'm going to use my considerable wealth, which he has done already, but, but I'm going to use my considerable wealth, not to produce, watch me eat big gay ice cream videos that are very awkward, but to articulate, this is how I cleaned up New York city. This is how we did it. And, and I'm going to adopt some of those democratic positions. Cause frankly, I've had them my whole life anyway. That's why I was a terrible Republican. What would have happened from day one if he would have stepped forward, Daniel, and tested that theory with his wealth? If he would have stepped to their media industrial complex and said, I don't, I don't like, like Trump did, I'm going to call your bluff. I don't think you got it. I, I think I can go directly to Main Street America 
and uh, screw you. I don't need you. What would happen if he had done that? So I think there's an interesting case to be made if he would do that in a general election, Mm -hmm. doing a Ross Perot type of thing from a different angle. I think that could potentially do a lot of damage uh, with suburban voters. But in a primary, I think it's the same principle you just said. Um, He ain't Trump. He's just not. He doesn't have that populist appeal. He is, in in fact, the caricature of what really voters in both parties don't like, whether it's fair or unfair, the sleazy Wall Street type of guy. Um, there, there's just nothing about him that speaks to people. There isn't. It's it's you, you focus a lot on the money and some of the New York record, maybe on crime, if mm-hmm. you were to actually run on it. But it's just it's the wrong character. He just doesn't have the personality for it. Todd, you, I no. think you agree with that. Absolutely nailed it. I mean, is, is, do you believe that it just wouldn't work, period? Or Daniel's caveat there at the end that he doesn't have the personality himself to pull it off? It's Daniel's caveat. You, it, so you think someone with with the, with well, the right personality could pull something doing, like that off? They're doing Trump, uh, Bernie. That it's Bernie is off. It's Bernie is doing a form of it right now. But isn't people he? believe yeah. that okay. Bernie is an opposer. He believes what he says. People believe Trump, even though he doesn't necessarily believe the things he says. They believe that personality is the actual thing. It's real. It's not a fake. Everything about Bloomberg seems packaged. And the big gay ice cream. You can't. That was his persona speaking out. He's just a fake. Yes, uh, if I can chime in. I mean, for those of you who have watched Parks and Recreation, minus the the dumb, Mike Bloomberg is pulling a Bobby Newport here. I mean, he was uh, yesterday morning, he was talking about how his family's housekeeper used to throw games of Scrabble uh, so that his mother could win. <laughs> I, I kid you not. Are you, I, I'm uh, sorry. That I, made I mean, me this choke. Is, this is Bobby Newport. Um, that l- happened? Telling, yes. Telling, telling, uh, telling uh, you know, the audience uh, about his housekeeper saying, little Bobby, I ain't going to clean your room no moss. That's, guy, he's just not, aside from being not likable, he's just not relatable on any level. Daniel, I don't know if you struggle with this. Todd and Aaron hear me complaining about it all the time. Now it's your turn. I, I, how did a guy like Michael Bloomberg, how did he get all that money? And why am I driving a 2014 Ford Edge? Explain that Steve, to me. Steve, come on. You work in this industry. You know that the, um, let's think of a nice word, the fecal matter rises to the top. I mean, that's just how it is in this business of all businesses. One of the things that has amazed me in this world, certainly in politics, but I'm starting to <clears throat> realize it's true in the business world as well. You know, when I was young, I started out in this business, I would really prepare before I'd go to Congress for meetings, prepare the issues. And then I'd get there like, you got a him? Like, you got to be kidding me. These guys are dumb as mud. And and, but they do well for themselves. And I'm the poorest lob here. It it just, you know, it's it's God has his way of rewarding dirtbags in this world. Um, That's that's part of his plan. I mean, no, and and so saith the Psalms. There's an inverse relationship. I mean, look, this world is temporary, and 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 the crap rises to the top. That's that's like an interesting paraphrase on the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So, like God awards the dirt bags as He sees fit. All right, Uh, let's get to the exit question. If the odds Bernie Sanders will be the 2020 Democrat nominee were a Queen song. Which Queen song would it be? A, another one bites the dust, as in no way. B, we are the champions. It's happening. Or C, Radio Gaga. Who the hell knows what that means? Todd. C, Radio Gaga. You think it's still open that he that he could not be? Okay. 
<clears throat> I love though that you've just done a whole 180 on this. Don't don't stop being you. Oh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's it's it is inevitable. It's inevitable. Daniel, what do you think? Which is it? Another one bites the dust. You don't think he'll be the nominee? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know what you mean. No, I think he will be. All right, so you think it's we are but the champions. Lose, okay. But he'll lose the, well, yeah, but he'll lose the general. Yeah, I, I mean, was talking about champion. just winning the nomination. Just the nomination. Oh, so then, I mean, the two work backwards, so then, yeah. 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 Okay. I mean, what do you think, Aaron? I'm still with C. Crazy voices. Crazy voices, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm. It's not that I'm, I'm. I disagree with you guys. I'm trying to play out in my head as you guys are saying it's still murky. That's your problem. How do we get to another scenario? Well, how, you didn't think we could get to where you live right now. <laughs> <laughs> Stop trying to think so far ahead. Just embrace uh, the nuts of the moment. That that is true. I I didn't think I'd even be saying this just about uh, a few months ago. I and mean, now it makes you so happy. It, it is. I've, I have found a. I have found a place of con, of peace, joy, love, and contentment. I have. Yes, Bernie Sanders, known socialist wannabe. Anyway, uh, it is. It is done. Determined. Uh, so say we all. At least me. He will be the uh, twenty twenty Democratic nominee, Jeremy Corbyn, two point oh. All right. When we come back, we've got two issues down. Two more to go, including. We have one of America's greatest athletes urging his son to become his daughter. And we're going to discuss that controversy and more here when we come back in just a few minutes. Live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Stay tuned. So that the world may know, this is Steve Dace. Back here on the Steve Dace Show. We'll get back to the Dace Group here in a moment. Brought to you by our friends over at Keeps who know that losing your hair sucks. But what doesn't suck is keeping your hair without ever leaving your couch. And if you're losing your hair, you got to know about Keeps. Keeps offers the generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products. That's That means they're the real deal, but they sell them to you for substantially less. Because those generic for, those generic versions won't cost you a fortune like the other ones will. But here's all you need to do. Just go online, answer a few simple questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and a doctor will review everything. Recommend the right FDA-approved hair loss treatment for you, and then it's shipped discreetly to your door. So you're wondering, will it work? Well, not only does it work for the vast majority of guys, but about two-thirds of guys experience hair regrowth as well. So if it's time to do something about it, take care of it. Go to keeps.com slash grow. That's keeps.com slash grow. And they'll give you 50% off your first order. That's right. Half off your first order at keeps.com slash grow. Back to the day's group roundtable, our weekly look at the week that was. Let's get to issue three. Dwayne Wade. NBA superstar Dwayne Wade appeared on the Ellen DeGeneres show recently to talk about his son. We are we are proud when I say proud, we are proud parents um, of a child in the LGBTQ plus uh, community and we're proud allies as well. Um, and we, we take our, our roles and our responsibility as parents very seriously. Um, so when I when our child comes home with a question. When a child comes home with an issue, when a child comes home with anything, it's our job as parents to listen to that, to give them the best information that we can, the best feedback that we can. Um, and that doesn't change because sexuality is now involved in it. So 
once Zion, our 12-year-old, came home, um, and first Zion, everybody, I don't know if everyone knows, originally named Zion, Zion born um, as a boy, came home and said, hey, uh, so I want to talk to you guys. Um, you know, I think going forward, I'm ready to live my truth. And I want to be uh, referenced as she and her. Uh, I would love for you guys to call me Zaya. So I want to, I want to dis- I want us to discuss this as personally as we can and not philosophically, because here's a real person with a real name who is really confused as are obviously as parents. So Aaron, I'm going to start with you. If, if all time NBA great Dwayne Wade, if he were on this show with us today, what would, and this topic came up, what would you say to dissuade him from encouraging gender dysphoria in his son? What would you say? Well, first of all, I think, and I want to preface this answer, uh, and I don't want to take too much time, but I want to preface what I'm about to say by saying I don't, I don't want, I don't want to go all uh, Beth Moore here and start, uh, start, you know, uh, hurling uh, insults at. Uh, at mysterious and unknown figures, but and because I, I haven't really seen a whole heck of a lot of discussion about Dwayne Wade this week, uh, at least I haven't witnessed it in person. So I would say, and I'm glad you brought this up, uh, that discuss this as as personally as possible, because there are going to be men in your own community um, who, if they see you just making fun of Dwayne Wade or ripping him on social media, again. Not seeing this predominantly, I don't want to pull a Beth Moore, but again, try to try to handle this as as adult and as um, I don't know, uh, I, just sensitively as possible. Uh, if they see you ripping somebody like Dwayne Wade, they're probably not going to have an opportunity to say uh, to have a conversation, the you know the fictional conversation that you just brought up. As far as him being on the show with us right now. There, the the only way that you can have this conversation with with somebody like this is at a deeply spiritual level. That's that's the only that's the only way that you can have it. Because in your ascent, which is why I'm never ever 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 using the pronouns, the preferred pronouns of anyone. I'll slip up every now and then because. That's the game. That's the stupid game that we play. I'm never going to use the pronouns because I would be lying about their gender. Because it's an outright denial of their Imago Day. They still have the Imago Day. It's an outright denial of the way in which God made them, specifically. And so the only way, when you, when you assent on any level to tranny madness, whatever you want to call it, to gender dysphoria... You are, you are in part and parcel, you are encouraging people to say, no, God did not make me like this. God made a mistake. Um, the only way to have these conversations is at, a, is at a spiritual level. And walking him through how we were made, why we were made, why we were made the way we were. And, you know, if, if, it's, if it's just a dude-on-dude conversation like this, um, you might even be able to, if you have some sort of rapport, being like, man, 
Dwayne, I mean, Dwayne, would you, would you, uh, back a few years ago, would you and LeBron and what was Bosch playing for them now, would you have gone and played against uh, WNBA? Not in a million years would you play against WNBA players, but you want, you want your son to be able to do that now. You know, things like, you can bring things up like that, but you're not going to have any luck. You're not going to have any success. You're not going to have any sort of profitable conversation unless you unless you actually are both on the same page, that you understand how we were created and that we were created specifically in specific ways. And until you set that groundwork and lay that foundation, it's kind of going to be a fruitless conversation. Todd? Uh, I think there's a lot more to using the kind of examples you said uh, regarding uh, – NBA basketball. It's not as a replacement for the spiritual, but to make him wear the absurdity of something immediate like that. It, it he'd have to recognize that that's absurd if he played in the W uh, NBA. What that would end up looking like. This is about using his principles and fleshing them out. He wants to talk about accepting their truth. That his son is twelve years old, I believe, mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Ask him in in his first twelve years of life, how many times uh, could he fill up the fingers on both hands in twelve years of the times his son did something or said something, behavior said something to a sibling, something said something to that, where you did not accept his truth, where in fact you said, "Oh hell no," you discipline them because. There was a greater truth than his truth at stake. I'm certain that if you don't tell me there's at least 10 times on these figures having raised four children myself, you're lying to me. You did not accept their truth. They did or said something that was unacceptable. I would also then ask them, okay, that being said, in the future, can you imagine them doing or saying anything at all that you would not accept as their truth? Because it's not the truth as you see it. And again, if you did not acknowledge that, I say to you, you would be lying to me. This is a feel-good scam that can obviously live on and bloom when you're sitting there next to Ellen DeGeneres, but you really don't believe it if you connect any rudimentary dots at all. Look around you. People's truths suck. And you agree with me because, well, let's go walk down the street together, Dwayne Wade, and you will say it. That's dumb. But it's their truth, right? This is this is insanity on a level that uh, earlier in the show we talked about the black girl uh, telling to get out uh, get out of uh, at Virginia, telling white people to leave. Yep. This is on that level of just being hollow and shallow thinking. Daniel, quickly. So I'm going to disagree a little bit with Aaron that there's. there's no practical angle to this. It's only spiritual piggybacking off of what Todd said. I got three boys. Never a day goes by when they don't posit something stupid that that's just what kids do. Um, They're forever fantasizing about things and want to do crazy things. My seven year old son thinks he's a bunny and wants to be treated as such too, by the way. Um, That's just, they go, they, they do that. But what they know is they know deep down it's absurd. Why? Because the parents put up that wall and they look to the parents for guidance. The minute you show something this severe and life altering and immutable and that charts you on a course that you cannot take back that does not end well, 
the minute you accept that, you have condemned them to life of that, and you cannot take that back. If the parent says that's normal, you cannot take that back. Um, and there are a lot of practical things. The reality is the um, – and what is it? LGBTQ+. plus. I never heard of that. So they're capping it at the Q, I guess. I was wondering if they're going to add letters. Oh, it's IA. The there's, it, there's an it, IA after the Q now. Yeah. Well, they should put a dollar sign. I mean I think go. that's the most important. Oh, come on now. But, but, but anyway – but but here's the deal. So on the one hand, it's like this is the highest form of man. Have the thing between your legs and cut it off or mutil- whatever. Oh, I don't know what they do. But on the other hand, what's interesting is reality does set in. So the same groups have all these websites about the suicide problem. There is up to 45, 41% attempted suicide rate. Um, the other thing is this. When you start – and I don't know what how far they want to take it. You start injecting yourself and mutilating yourself. That They don't live long. I mean there is not enough showing that they live good lives. So that's the thing. You as a father are fueling something that is certain to end bad. Now you see a lot of confusion. There's problems. But at 8, 10, 12, there's lots of confusion and problems on, as Todd mentioned, many other issues, and you don't indulge it. All right, let's let's skip the exit question because I want to make sure we uh, have enough time. All right. Did, did, yeah. Did, it, did, can I just add one more one thing really really quickly here? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I as far as the the question that was asked, if this came up with Dwayne Wade right now, the Dwayne Wade that I uh, heard on the Ellen DeGeneres show is completely given over and worked over by this, which is why I said at a spiritual level until. And, to, and I didn't say it was only spiritual, by the way. I said it was primarily spiritual. If you're not on the same page that, there's there's no point. There's absolutely no point in having this conversation unless you can get that one thing nailed down. Meaning you see it, his so, religious viewpoint is what led him to accept ex- his son's mental illness. Exactly. N- not pro- he, that this didn't produce a religious now, impulse. His religious impulse is what produced this reaction. Yes. Now, if okay. you're telling me if he's conflicted about it, then everything I think that Daniel and, and Todd said, that's a that good, comes, that's in, a, that's comes a, into play. That's a valuable yeah. distinction. All right. You know what? I am going to ask the exit question really quick because it's snarky. True or false? Just give me a true or false. A Republican mentally ill with gender dysphoria will be appointed to office or win elected office within the next five years. Todd. So. Daniel. True. Within three years. Yeah, you gave me a cell you meant false, right? Yeah, I'm sorry. That's yes, okay. Yes. All right. Daniel says true and will be sooner. Yeah. Aaron? Uh, true. And, uh, and the true price is right fashion will take two years. <laughs> Daniel, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> All right. Uh, issue four, the XFL. The XFL had its inaugural weekend of the current version of Vince McMahon's attempt at a professional football league. With reimagined rules and an eye towards innovation, the XFL hopes to at least become entertaining and carve out a niche market for professional spring football. TV ratings for the four games over the weekend were decent, with an average of over 3 million viewers. Fan attendance at the games averaged just over 17,000, though some cities like St. Louis, who's gearing up for nearly 30,000 fans for its first home game, have not yet hosted. The average margin of victory during opening weekend was 14.5 points. All right. First question. Uh, let's do these quickly, and I'll start with you, Todd. How would you describe the debut of Vince McMahon's second attempt at a professional football league? Fun. I, I think 
They didn't take them. They took themselves seriously enough to be a business that isn't going to fold like mm-hmm. five games in, like the last one. I mm-hmm. answered, uh, but mostly they were like, "This is this is football after all," and we're going to make sure that everybody is having fun. Daniel, what about you? Did you pay attention to it at all? They got a team there in your neck of the woods. Yeah, I didn't pay much attention to it, but but it, it is impressive, and I do think, look, with the National Felon League, all of the problems, even some of the game problems we have now, um, there's a lot of gripes from all ends. I think there is appetite for it, but um, the question is, does it have staying power? Da- or Aaron? Um, I, I think this was... I think it was really, uh, really, really good. Good start. I I think the most underestimated or uh, underrated, I guess I should say, at least in my eyes, rule change was the play clock. And because they shortened it to, I believe, about 24 seconds or somewhere around there. uh, This is the time between plays that you're allowed. Exactly. It made a really... Now, I didn't get to watch a ton of it, but it made for a really, really fast-paced game. That's really, really cool. I'm curious, how many... Were there a lot of delay of game penalties with coaches? Because a lot of these coaches are coming from college in the NFL with a longer play clock and they aren't used to it. But did they adjust to it just fine? I, I didn't see. I didn't see much of that. Uh, one thing that helps um, is that there's a, a, an official dedicated to just spotting the ball. That's mm-hmm. his entire job. So that kind of helps. But I didn't see any delay. I saw maybe one delay of game okay. p- penalty, but that's about it. All right. Exit question: Will the XFL still exist five years from now, Daniel? No, as much as I'm an anti-establishment guy, I know that the NFL is too big to fail. It's still too big of an institution despite its problems. It's like the Republicans and Democrats. It's going to be around and therefore the XFL won't. What do you think, Todd? I think it will be around. I think it will. I think mm. the what the, the appetite for it combined with the fact that you know the men of 30 years ago just don't think that they have to spend as much time on other things. That's why I say all the time Steve is a unicorn. All the knowledge he has about professional sports, there's many other men that have much as not knowledge. Those men aren't spending as much time kneeling before God, learning about politics, having other uh, hobbies. That's the issue. What do you think, Aaron? Bye. Especially if the average attendance this year sticks around 20,000 or pushes 20,000, and then if they can can get a, a viewership of around... You know, a million or a little bit under that, uh, I think then that that's already on the way to solvency. Don't don't over or don't underestimate the sports wagering angle to this, too, that this is this is a very sports, very sports wagering friendly enterprise and you need content. Right. And then what's the number one sport by far? People like to wager on in America. And it's not even close. It's football. And it's, and it's feature- not even close. It's featured within the game itself right, right now, is it right. not? I mean, that's so gonna- similar to fantasy football has helped make the NFL. Uh, if they couldn't ruin it if they tried because fantasy football is one of the biggest industries in America by itself. I, I could see sports wagering uh, keep the XFL around what for those, a good number of years. The, they're called what? Prop bets? Aren't they? That's what they that's have like, within yep. the game. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, people are going to go to that like crack. Let's get to predictions. Daniel, go. All righty. Donald Trump's going to win the election. No doubt about it. I'm not sure whether they're going to take over the House or not, but here's what I do know. Either next year or the year afterwards, they will pass a massive pro-criminal bill and a massive amnesty bill, and you will learn to love it and you will like it because conservative media will tell you it is the greatest deal. Well, if you look at the trend line of second term Republican presidencies. Yeah. I mean, for decades, exactly. this is this has been often what we have seen. We even saw it on Reagan. We saw a massive amnesty bill under Reagan. Yep. All right, Todd. 
Assuming Klobuchar ha- continues a baseline level of debate performance and doesn't have any major gaffes or anything like that, she will finish second in South Carolina. Yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. I could, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Aaron? What's I, yours? As far as what Daniel said, I want to comment on that really, really fast. Um, are you saying that we're going to hear the words where we have to suspend border security to save the border? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm guessing we're going uh, to exactly. The, yeah, my St. Louis Battle Hawks are going to Tendy make it. Chess, baby. Yes, uh, we're <laughs> going to that. My St. Louis Battle Hawks are going to make it, not win it, but make it to the inaugural XFL championship game. Wow, we had an XFL <laughs> championship Hot prediction. Take. Wow, um, guys, Tom Brady's quarterback in the New England Patriots next year. This whole thing is ridiculous. It, this is. I'm I'm calling BS. This is half call and BS, half prediction. Similar to how I called BS on the Tom Holland Spider-Man's leaving the MC. No, he wasn't. That was all the negotiating ploy. It was never happening. Way too much money was being made by everybody. That was never going to happen. Tom Brady is not going to another, not going to Chicago. Okay. No, this is. <laughs> is that this a is, rumor? Yes. No, no. He, he's, he's quarterback in the Patriots next year. All right. Daniel, good to see you, my friend. As always, thanks for joining us here on the, uh, on the Dace Group. Take care. Um, plenty of woe and lamentation there from our good friend, Mr. Horowitz. When we come back, hour two, we'll get to some of your woe and lamentation. It'll be Feedback Friday. And and I set it aside for, we got a lot of social media reaction to the question we had earlier this week. Are we underestimating Bernie on the right, the way that the left underestimated Trump in 2016? We'll get to some of your thoughts on that and more when we get to Feedback Friday here in hour number two. Next, stay tuned. and load this is steve dace the steve dace show hola welcome to hour two live and on demand here on blaze tv radio and podcast i am steve dace with todd and aaron we'll be getting to feedback friday here in a moment at 888-900-3393 steve at stevedace.com that's how you can email us and let us know what you think about what we think uh, you can also try, emphasis on try, liking us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. And if you're looking for video clips of this program to sample or share, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And the last name is D-E-A-C-E. If you do listen to us via the podcast, please, we would beg of you to consider uh, leaving us a five-star review at whichever podcast platform you prefer because the more of those we get, the more it helps us to find more people like you and then the more likely we can continue doing things like Feedback Friday and Theology Thursday and all the other mediocrity and frivolity that we offer you each and every broadcast day here on the Steve Dace Show. Feedback Friday brought to you by Reality Zone who wants to give you a reality check. I kid because I care. It's rid you zone, but they want to put you in the reality zone because it's tough keeping those new year's resolutions. The vast majority of them fail by about this time of year. All right. So what do you do with it? When the resolve weakens, when, when it gets harder and harder, because dieting alone is hard. Working out is important, but in the end you can't out train a bad diet. So what do you do? How do you get those cravings and portion sizes under control? 
Thankfully, there is Riduzone, uh, backed by doctors and not one but two U.S. patents. Riduzone is the only FDA-accepted product that includes OEA, the naturally occurring molecule that helps you feel full faster. It burns stored fat and then also reduces your caloric intake at the same time, making it easier for you to live up to your resolution. So if you want to give it a shot, Riduzone is exclusively available at its website, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, Riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. And if you want to give it a shot, we got a great offer for you, up to 65% off with free shipping, up to 65% off with free shipping. How do you take advantage of that? Well, use my name, Steve, as the promo code when you go to Riduzone.com. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, Riduzone.com, promo code Steve. Let's get to some feedback Friday. And as I promised on Monday, because we had a ton of calls and reaction to this question, are we on the right underestimating Bernie Sanders as a potential Democratic nominee the way the left underestimated Donald Trump back in 2016? And we had a a very uh, informative and, and fun conversation about that in our town hall on Monday. But because of the overwhelming response we got, uh, via the email and the phone calls on that day, I, I couldn't get to any of the social media reaction. And there's there's some really good stuff on our Facebook page, hundreds of comments. So I wanted to take some time here on Feedback Friday this week, gentlemen, and give some of our social media commenters on this topic their due. Because I, I think this is, of course, one of the reoccurring themes of this year. And if he ends up being the nominee, this could be one of the biggest stories of the year that we're going to cover, right? Yeah. Let's start with Jeffrey Derby. And, and he says he thinks the exact same thing, that Bernie is laughed off as a joke candidate, but has an incredible grassroots network. He says, I don't think he has a chance against Trump on the debate stage, but his admirers are just as rabid as the Trumpites were in 2016. What do you think? And keep in mind on the debate stage thing, I mean, Donald Trump did not perform well on the debate stage in 2016. His best debate was the one that came out that, that happened after the... Uh, uh, Billy Bush video, you know, grab him by the privates video came out, mm-hmm. which means it didn't matter how good he was in that debate. He lost just by being alive that day because it was right after that video. I mean, we all remember the clip of after the third debate, he, you know, he, he got so upset. He took up, you know, uh, the papers that were at his podium and ripped him up or threw him up or in the air or something. Do you remember that uh, mm-hmm. oh, video that was going so. around? But what do you think of Jeffrey's observation that he says, yes, he does think we're underestimating uh, Sanders, particularly given the how rabid his grassroots network is. I'll, I'll just reset what I said. The reason we got this far is through materialism in this country. And all of that laziness and softness that came with it, people started believing and saying all kinds of nonsensical things that they say because they see that's the way the crowd's going. Uh, But the materialism doesn't go away. So, but most of them don't have shows like Bill Maher. Like, look at Bill Maher. Flat out said, this, I'm capitalist plus, I'm not a socialist. I mean, this is getting a little crazy, isn't it? Now, Bill Maher still at the end of the day, Trump versus Bernie Sanders, may end up voting for Sanders. The guy's got a public platform that he's got an image, a persona, whatever. Most people just are going on with their lives. And their lives have a lot more to do with protecting a bottom line and their stuff 
even if they regular they've never voted Republican in low tax bracket their entire life. But if it really starts cra- crashing in on their reality, they're not going to vote for Bernie Sanders. They might not vote at all, but they're not going to vote for Bernie Sanders. Hmm. What do you think, Aaron? So, for some reason, this came to me while you were while you were reading this particular bit of feedback, but. I am I'm increasingly wary of now comparing this election cycle to the last election cycle. And I just thought of this while you were reading that. So it's widely agreed. And and some would even say that the main reason why Trump even uh, had a chance against Hillary Clinton is because she was by far the most unlikable, unlikable candidate that maybe we've ever seen in American politics represent a major party. She was incredibly unlikely, uh, unlikable. In a two-person race, Bernie Sanders lost to that. What's that say about Bernie Sanders in a crowded field? Um, you see what I'm, you're picking up what I'm putting down here? Mm-hmm. Um, why, why would we assume that when Hillary Clinton was who is a terrible candidate, a terrible, terrible, terrible candidate, um, when she was able to defeat Sanders, why would we think that Sanders now all of a sudden poses more of a threat now when he lost to Hillary Clinton than Hillary Clinton did? Food for thought there. That's interesting for sure. You bet. Matt Hamilton posted this. It's possible Sanders is similar to Trump and that they both have an unpalatable quality. With Trump, it's his character. With Sanders, it's the idea of a socialist becoming president. Socialism still has a low approval rating among the general population. However, there could be a lot of people who vote for him in the general despite that because they'd rather see Trump voted out. This was similarly apparent in 2016 when people voted for Trump despite his character because they didn't want Hillary elected. Let me, I'm going to respond to this one first, because this makes a lot of sense, Matt, you're, you're, whether you're right or not, the analysis makes a lot of sense, except for one thing. Neither Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump were incumbent presidents in 2016. So nobody had a presidential record to run on that either made you say, I can't stand this person, but you know what? Um, Things are going well here on the home front. I'll put up with them for another four years because I don't want to take a gamble that blankety blank will screw it up. All right. Or the other way around, which was um, uh, this is Jimmy Carter redux. This is read my lips redux with George Herbert Walker Bush. We got anything else. It has to be better than this. And so let's give the new person a shot. That wasn't on the table in 2016. And that, that's a powerful dynamic in presidential elections when an incumbent is. And it is on the table in 2020, guys. And I think that's going to overwhelm any of these kinds of sentiments because Trump has a record now. And it, 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 it may mean there's a certain group of people that because of his record, he, he won't get to support him that he should because of the persona angle that you're talking about, Matt, I, I I could certainly buy into that. I think there's validity to that. Don't you? Yeah. Okay. But on a macro level, his, the state of the country is going to overwhelm Bernie Sanders. Like if, like if the, if, if unemployment hits 6% in October, it doesn't matter how many times he calls, he can call him a socialist, communist, Marxist, a, 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 a mother Blanken socialist. It doesn't, it won't matter what he calls him. He's going to lose. He's going to lose to the guy. 
That that because it's it, this is going to be about what about his record in the direction of the country more than it's going to be about those other things because he's the incumbent. It's it's a referendum on him and his record, and that's where. Um, now, if let's say the economy doesn't tank, but slows how good it is, then it becomes like a formula, formulaic ratio. We saw this in 2004, where George W. Bush was personally popular, but his policies necessarily were not. And Iraq was just beginning to become the quagmire that it became fully full-blown in a second term. Well, when that's the case, then what people think of the of the alternative becomes more germane on whether they might cut you some slack, give you a second chance, whether they think he's too radical, okay? So I'm not saying these things are never referendums on the challenger. I'm not saying that. But the the thoughts of the challenger only become germane to 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 voters that that weren't just going to vote for whoever the challenger was no matter what. All right. Those the, the, the thoughts on the challenger only become germane when you have questions about the record of the current office holder. So the first thing that's going to be decided in this election, more than no matter who the Democrats nominate, is going to be, do you think Donald Trump is doing a good job as president? That's going to be the number one question decided, period. Now, I didn't say it was the only one, but it's going to be the number one thoughts. I, I think it's going to if. Donald Trump does his job. He, Bernie Sanders is p- perfectly suited to be caricatured by a guy like Donald Trump. And obviously, Donald Trump, his default is to caricature everybody, uh, oftentimes Republicans in ways that they did not deserve, the, the, the name calling. But it ultimately ended up being uh, effective in many ways. The, the, I don't, in a good economy, the way you will be able to take Bernie Sanders' record of He's almost 80 years old. I mean, how, how many how many years? 50, 60 years of whatever. Right. Uh, people rolling tape of him saying and doing all kinds of things with all kinds of shady people in shady places. This, there's, there, there simply is n- no way, I, I think, for Donald Trump to lose this thing. I, it's, it, that's not... It's not me elevating him to any sort of grand Reagan-esque status. I simply, I, I think this, in many ways, it's just one plus one equals two of our materialism ultimately will beat out most people's ideology. I don't, I don't want to take the commenter out of context in case, um, in case they were talking about maybe a macro uh, a macro victory against the the ideology that Bernie Sanders uh, espouses. Um, Jeremy Corbynism is not going away. It didn't die with his resounding defeat. Now, it might have been. You can argue that it was definitely set back. I mean, you can set back and and, and provide a speed bump for the type of macro worldview clashes that we're talking about through elections. You're never going to defeat them through elections. You you have to. You have to essentially do the same thing that that um, that they did to us, the, the long march through the institutions. And an election is not going to do that. Calling calling him a, um, in, even effectively calling him a communist, calling him and pointing out all of the all of the pitfalls of and the many and, and multitudes that there are that the pitfalls of of socialism that may be done. 
But until you have a populace that is actually willing and able to just reject those off a, offhand, just as as a whole, uh, at a gut level, um, you're not going to win that argument. You may delay it. You mm. may win the battle in the argument, but an election is not going to win that argument. One more thing, and Steve, you would know the names of the towns in Michigan, no doubt, but we have a company, we had a former company town here in Iowa, Newton. Uh, Maytag was there. Yep. I, 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 and uh, once Maytag left, it, it's had some, it's kind of reinventing itself now, but that's been like a 20 year process. I think this national vote is basically going to be like a company town vote. You know, the, the, the CEO, everybody lives there in that town. Almost everybody works there. And they're like, I mean, I like the guy, but my job's dependent on this thing and things are going pretty well and the streets are clean. People, that that's the way people are going to see this with a guy like Donald uh, Trump versus socialism in a good economy. You know, one of the things that's fascinating about about Sanders as a quote democratic socialist is there's a there's a there's some subtext going on with him in the Nevada caucus the last couple of days where the um the culinary union out there it, it's a heavily unionized state but the culinary union's the biggest one because of all the restaurants and casinos and everything else. And um and it's not just Vegas, but Reno is, has a lot of that. Big, is, has a lot of that stuff too. And the head of the Culinary Association, it, everybody thought it was for sure that it was just nobody has even tried getting their endorsement. This was automatic; they're going to endorse Bernie Sanders. Well, the head of the Culinary Union announced yesterday they weren't going to endorse anyone. Hmm. This is what I'm talking about, man. And the reason he said they weren't going to endorse anyone is because they're not satisfied with Sanders's views on automation. And they and and they're and apparently Sanders has said some things that it could be, um, uh, you know, a viable cost cutting way. It could be a viable ingenuity. In other words, he's a Soviet from each according to his abilities to each according to his needs. Okay, and if if someone can do that job, or something can do that job, bigger, faster, quicker. You know, the tension there between your, you know, what, what, see, Marxism doesn't believe you're created in the image of God. Marxism doesn't believe you have any inherent worth as an, as an individual. It believes you have an inherent grievance as a class of individuals. I'm going to say that again, because it's really damn smart and it's important you understand this. Okay. Marxism doesn't believe you have any inherent worth as an individual. It believes you have an inherent grievance as part of a class of individuals. And this is where you get into, this is where you see, you'll see some differences between what a Tucker Carlson is saying, his form of a right-wing populism and, and, and pure Sovietism is that ultimately human beings, if if they've outlived their usefulness to the system, are chattel to a Marxist. You're not, you have no value. If you've, out, if, if, if you've outlived your usefulness, there's no use for you. Now, I'm not saying I always agree with him, but when guys like Carl, Tucker Carlson are arguing, because what's going to happen this year is if, if Bernie is the nominee, which I believe he will be, but, but if he is, you're going to see the the Cato Institute corporatist Republican sect um, 
or the Cato materialistic libertarian sect of the Republican Party. They're going to basically say guys like, well, your old buddy Rick Santorum and Tucker Carlson are, are, you might as well go vote for Bernie. Their ideas are similar. No, they're not. Their ideas aren't similar because they don't even start with them same, from the same premise. Now, that doesn't mean I agree with all of, with everything where they're on the issues. That's a separate conversation, okay? But, there, but see, Carlson is beginning his populism from the premise of, hey, you know what? That worker bee at the textile mill that you shipped his job to Mexico, he's made in the image of God every bit as much as the corporate CEO that got to make trillions of dollars off of shipping his job to Mexico. So, so why are we favoring one Imago Day here over the other? Because the one Omaga Day has a big super PAC and the textile mill worker doesn't. That's not the same as the textile milker, or mill worker has a grievance. And, and since he's putting in the, the, the majority of the work, he should be getting his fair share. But then later on, if we find out something else can do the work better than that textile mill worker, sucks for that textile mill worker. That's the difference. And, and, and it's a distinction with a massive difference. Yep. It, it is a distinction with a massive difference. Okay. So um, that I found that to be a fascinating subtext to Bernie Sanders' candidacy. And we'll see how it plays out in the Nevada caucus here. I think that's um, in, in a week from Tuesday, I think is when it is. And um, how many of the culinary people just vote for him anyway? You know, I don't, I don't know the intricacies of Nevada politics to know how much of the culinary union just sits around waiting for the head of their union to send them an email telling, telling them, here's who we're endorsing. I, I don't know enough to know that. And the good news is they're going to have a caucus and we're going to find out the answer to that, right? We're going to watch it play out in real time. But this is where you get the difference between um, a, a, a left-wing populism or slash Marxism versus a right-wing populism. They're not beginning from the same premise. There are times they will agree on policies. I agree with you on that. They will. There, there's times they'll come to some same agreements, but they're beginning from vastly different premises. Um, you guys want to comment on that? No, you want to move on? Leave it. That's okay. perfect. This is from Laura Parker. She says, I believe Bernie's going to be the candidate for them, but I, I don't believe he went against Trump. I have to have faith that my fellow Americans would not put a socialist into office. Well, I would argue we already have. Now, they, they didn't call themselves that, but, but we have been operating proto versions of socialism for since before. I mean, Medicare predates me. I, you know, I'm going to be 47 this year. Social security. I mean, that, that predates most of you watching, I would guess, you know, that's pre baby boomer. I mean, that's pre world war two. That's, that's the new deal. Your person. And this person is listening to what you said multiple times. If this economy was in tough shape, they would. Yeah. Your faith would not yes. keep that from happening. Now, if you're talking about somebody who just is openly avowed doesn't and wants it whole cloth as opposed to piecemeal situationally, I think it does depend on what the position of the economy is. And as I said a few days ago, if things are still going, even if they're not going as well as they are now, just relatively well, then I think Donald Trump could win by margins that would have been, you know, not even, not even amongst 
the most ardent of his, of his shield brigade would have would have posited some of these suggestions you know while they were counting who had the most supporters at their inauguration Trump or Obama but if the if we see real economic slowdown if you see anything like a tarp in 08 particularly if it comes from the stock market which feeds right into Bernie Sanders's talking points if you see a stock market bubble where you know a lot of that recovery is based off of 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 credit and and re, and 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 repo expenditures when if if you were to see the stock market hit a, hit a bubble like the housing market did when it was also largely based on credit and creditors who couldn't pay um i think you could then see bernie sanders win by margins that would have been not previously contemplated because I think a lot, a large swath of the American psyche is up for grabs. Great way of putting it. And I, I think that the majority of the, the, of the Democratic Party does not want Bernie Sanders to be their nominee for various reasons. And, and over 90% of them are going to vote for him if he's the nominee the first Tuesday this November. Uh, you know, a whole bunch of, you know, a whole bunch of people didn't want Mitt Romney to be the nominee in 2012. Over 90% of them voted for him on the first Tuesday, of November. Even more people didn't want Donald Trump to be the nominee. Almost all of them voted for him on the first Tuesday in November. So he's going to get, if he's, if he, if he gets that nomination, if, if he gives a nomination speech in Milwaukee and his health stays good and he's on the ballot in November, he's getting 60 million votes just by showing up, just by having his name there. 60 million Americans are not going to see past their partisan blinders. Or roughly thereabouts. Maybe it'll be 56, 57, but it'll be, it'll be roughly 60 million Americans are not going to see past their partisan blinders and they're going to vote for an avowed socialist. They're going to do it. That's just the way, unfortunately, um, partisan politics works in America. To the point, did you read anything into the large numbers of voters uh, voting for Trump in New Hampshire at an entirely uncontested primary. Yeah. Yeah. What that tells you, because we saw the same thing in Iowa where his numbers were, you know, it was slightly contested with Bill Weld and Joe Walsh on the ballot. It's a little here, different because it really it's a caucus though, but, but, hit, but there were, I mean, they had pretty a lot higher turnout in the Republican caucuses that they were planning on as well. Trump's base is at max lit. His just because, not yep, yep, just because. But I think the impeachment has done it as well. Yes, I, I think. I think, I think. That's a great point. I think between how the economy is doing and the impeachment, what that impeachment did is is Trump already had a very personal relationship with his base, but it it is man, they just had a baby, dude. They, I mean, they're on a honeymoon. They they went back on a second honeymoon. They just had a baby. I brought it, brought the the kid home, and grandma came down, um, and um, is watching the kid because now mama's past her six weeks when she can have sex again after giving birth, and and they're like in they're like in the Caribbean right now. That that's where that's Trump and his base, right now. Okay, that's where they at. That's where they're at. And 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 you're gonna find out mama got pregnant again. Like and 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 then and the two brothers are only nine and a half months apart. How that happened? All right. That's that's where Trump and his base is right now. And that's I don't see that changing at all. I don't. I, I don't, I don't, that base, it doesn't matter 
what if there's a stock market bubble, a North Korean test rocket off the Atlantic Ocean? No, you can you can thank the Democratic Party and and liberal cable news at night. You know, I mean, it, they're reunited, man, and it feels so good, man. And it, and that that honeymoon's lasting all the way to the first Tuesday in November. All right, they're not, you know what? If you see if you see the trailer rocking, don't come a knocking. All right, that's where Trump's base is at right now, and that's what you saw in the turnout in Iowa, New Hampshire. That's what that was, and that's not going to change. Um, but the well, if the economy sours, you're going to find out just how many people really don't like Donald Trump that they're willing to vote for a socialist. That's because in the end, materialism reigns. I wish it, that weren't the case. I wish that it weren't, you know, but unfortunately more people vote on what the price of gas, literally more people vote on what the price of gas is than my state legislature in Colorado voted yesterday not to protect babies who survived abortions and are alive. And it's not even close. Far more people do. And it works both ways. Far more people are voting on the price of gas than Greta Thunberg's climate change rant because they're all in on it. Far more people. It's not even close. Materialism is the number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 reasons people vote. Okay. Any thoughts on that? Nope. I'm good. Is that bad? Yes and no. I, well, y- yes and no. I mean, on one hand, it is what it is, brother. It's human nature. You know what I'm saying? It is. It is what it is. On on the other hand, you know, I don't blame you if you're in a truly economically challenged or distressed time, you know, like the Carter years, for example. But it does speak to a, a growing a growing shallowness within the culture, and. And one of the things that we allowed the left to do, and this mistake was made before people like me came along in different eras, is we allowed the left to put their, their religious viewpoint, which is what socialism is. It's a religion. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a denomination of the statist religion. You can call it liberalism, progressivism, socialism, communism. And these denominations don't always agree with one another. They have their Catholics and Protestants and Orthodox and Mormons and Jews too, okay? They don't agree with each other all the time, okay? But they're, they're coming from the same, same source, same cue. And that is a, um, an, it's a statist religion. Once we permitted them to make their statist religious arguments in purely economical terms, where, where the idea of stealing your money and giving it to somebody who didn't earn it was no longer a moral debate, but an economic one. Could, could we afford Medicare or could we afford not to? Could we afford Medicare Part D or could we afford not to? Once we allowed the left to, to frame their arguments in purely materialistic means, we lost the ability to call the American people to a deeper conversation. And we that and they don't want that deeper conversation, by the way. They they want it to be workers of the world unite. They want this to be the opiate for the masses. Uh, they, the dumber the people are, the more shallow they are, the more they fall for these fallacies. 
But one, and so once we decided that you're right, you know, don't call me racist. So we're, we're, let's just have a financial debate about what the top marks or marginal tax rate is. We played right into their hands generationally. And so we've almost set it up that the, the voters don't know anything else to largely vote on other than their materialistic well-being because we played right into the left's hands oh. by making it about that. To answer Aaron's questions, that's why it is wrong, because we're a nation founded on a creed and it's not workers of the world unite. Amen. More feedback Friday in a moment. the truth no matter where it leads the steve day show well let me remind you about the sad tale of deborah she had her home stolen not the stuff in the home but the home itself um fbi calls it home title theft and says it's one of the one of the fastest growing white collar crime sprees in the country and it's because scammers can do to you what they did to deborah they found her home title online uh, and then they filed fraudulent documents claiming they own the home. Instead, she ended up getting evicted from her home. It gets even worse. She lost $85,000 in equity in her home. Eighty-five grand Gone. No one believes their home can be stolen this easily, but that's why you need to get home at Title Lock because no insurance or bank protects you and your home from this title theft. First things first, though. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't even know it yet. And then sign up to help protect the legal title to your home so that you don't end up like Deborah. Act now to get started for 60 risk-free days of protection. 60 risk-free days of protection if you go to HomeTitleLock.com. 60 risk-free days of protection at HomeTitleLock.com. So let's get back to some of the feedback Friday and, and some of the reaction on social media to the question, are we underestimating Bernie Sanders on the right the way the left underestimated Donald Trump uh, in 2016? Sean writes, this amazes me. Draw a line in the sand for once in your life and don't let a guy like this win. But because you won't, he will. This reminds me of a conversation I had um, when we first were put on the big Salem network, when you guys like first came to work here. And um, it was about a month before the Iowa caucuses, right after the holidays, and they brought me and Prager and um, uh, Medved and Shapiro and, and Bill Bennett and Eric Metaxas, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting some names that were on the network. They brought us all out to this posh five-star hotel uh, in Santa Barbara, on the right on the beach, man. It was awesome, right on the beach. And one of the things we did there, we, one of the reasons we were there is to have then spokesperson for the Republican National Committee, Sean Spicer, uh, school us on how to be our GOP shills. And I just pulled like that scene in The Natural where he just gets up and walks out with the sports psychologist, okay? I, I just got up and walked out. <laughs> I can only take, I tried, man. I, I want the record to show I wasn't, you know, you asked that question yesterday um, in the overtime. I know I'm not supposed to spoil it, about the, the guy punching the back of the woman's seat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the question you asked was, hey, did he at least try talking to her first? I want you all to know, I, I did try to be a good corporate citizen first. I did. I did try to sit there. I did try to listen. I did try to poker face it. And I, I probably put up with a good 15 minutes or so of it 
All right. And, and then I had to hit the eject. And I really didn't do it for me. I did it for them. Because I finna explode. Okay. And, uh, and it was, it was going to be really awkward and uncomfortable. And you guys were probably going to lose your jobs before they ever started after I got done with what I was, with, with what I was finna going to do in there. Okay. So I, I want you to know it was an act of valor, not rebellion. It was an act of valor for me to get up and walk out of that room uh, because I, I needed to protect your jobs as well as the, the, the welfare of everyone else in that room. Okay. For the explosion that was, I could, I could sense was building up. Protect your gilded coattails at all costs. You know, I approve yes, of that. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And the other thing they had us do is um, they wanted us to meet all the corporate VPs for all the stations, Salem stations, stuff around the country. And, and so part of that was the last night we were out there, they put together this VIP round table and we were all on the stage together uh, and taking questions from the audience and stuff. And one of the questions and the very first question, Bennett had announced he was retiring. And so he moderated and got to ask the questions. And the first question he asked is, if Donald Trump is the GOP nominee, will you support him? And I when and they asked me first, because I live in Iowa. So Bill asked me first. And I I said, we don't have to, you know, Iowa hasn't vote doesn't vote for like three more weeks. We don't if, if you don't want if you don't trust the guy's character, because there was there there was a lot of kvetching and no weighing, can't trust this guy at this meeting. Okay. With and and everybody was saying this. And I mean everybody. All right. And I'm like, we don't have to just sit here and let him win. This is the largest Christian media company on the continent. Just say no. We we we, we can do better than that. We can do better than, you know. I tapped a porn star with my, you know, my wife at home nursing my child and um, I'm on my third marriage and I'm not a three-time widow and I'm proud of the bankruptcies I filed and two Corinthians. I mean, all the stuff that we were talking about four years ago, right? Mm-hmm. I, and I'm like, you won't have to sit here and, and, and just wait for it to happen. I don't think he's going to win Iowa. I'm doing my part. I'm in, I mean, I'm helping Ted Cruz. I've been helping him for four months. I don't think he's going to win Iowa. And he didn't. I was right. Um, but, you know, if I'm right and he doesn't win Iowa... You guys have the kind of network to take whoever we send out of our state and launch him the rest of the way. I mean, he needs you. You don't need him. You have you have the largest network of you guys. You guys are the National Religious Broadcasters Convention every year. You underwrite it basically. You're its lead sponsor. This is the third largest radio network in the United States. It's the largest Christian media corporation in the United States. You don't. You reach more of the of the GOP base than he ever will. Just say, no, we're not doing that. And we're going to do this instead. I thought for sure. And I mean, I, I like got prayed up before I said it. I'm like, don't let me go off like on the John the Baptist tip with wailing arms and, 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 bony, and bony finger points. Let me try to be reasonable as I, you know, in, in my presentation. And so I, I probably was as reasonable as I could be in, in that particular state. Okay. When I got, and I, I thought for sure I spoke clearly. And in well understood English. When I got done, dude, and looked out in that crowd, it was like Charlie Brown listening. I mean, it, it it was the blank stares. Like this, 
this could not compute the idea that we would like affirmatively use our resources to not let someone we don't want to have to vote for win. Like we just wouldn't let the wait, like we wouldn't just wait for the process to play out and then try to negotiate our seat at the table afterwards with somebody we don't really like and trust. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I just, I couldn't believe it. And I remember thinking at the time, my, my time in this network is going to be very, very short lived. It's going to last about another 30 minutes because that's how much longer this round table is. <laughs> because for a lot of these people, this is the first time I'm not Dennis Prager and all these people in this network that have been on it for decades. This is the first time they've ever met me. And I'm, you know, Phil Boyce's shiny new toy, the head of the network, and I'm going to be his next. Mark Levinny told me in Hannity that he discovered these guys. I'm going to be his next star, and he wants to show me off. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit like you think you discovered Taylor Swift, you know, before she went nuts, like Nashville Taylor Swift. And and you heard her write that song, um, you know, that... um, What's that? What what's the what was the first love song that launched her career? My daughters loved it. I can't remember. Um, Juliet. Yeah, Romeo and yeah, yeah, that song. Okay, you think she's going to play that when you put her in front of the record executives on Music Row? Sorry, America, about okay. what we just went through. Yes, and figuring that out. Love story. Okay, that's love what it is. Story, yeah. So you think she's going to? I mean, you heard this wonderful nineteen-year-old girl with a great voice and great singing talent and songwriting talent write her own moving love song, and you're like, we do we we found the next Tammy Wynette. Just, you know what I'm saying? And you, and so you sit her, you get her, you call all your music row record execs. They come all in to hear her sing. And you think she's going to bust out love story. And instead she's got her take on this really esoteric velvet underground indie rock tune from the sixties. And you're like that gif again. That's what the room is like, all right? And you're realizing that you're no longer going to be friends with these record company executives when this is over. That's what this event was like. They could not contemplate that we could take control of our own destiny. And when we got done, I had one person come up to me. He ended up being, he was actually the youngest VP in the room, even younger than me. And he came up to me, goes, man, and he looked around too and make sure nobody can hear him. Thank you so much for saying that. I've been trying to get through to these people for like four months on this. Everybody's freaking out. Trump can't win. He's immoral. Why are we sitting around? Why are we doing this? And I keep sending off emails. I'm like, we own 10,000 radio stations. What, what do, why are we the ones concerned here about who will win? We can determine who wins. And he's like, they just don't see it that way. They don't get that. And I, and Sean... That's my answer to your Facebook post. Human, human nature is really good about taking bold stands when it's left with no other alternative but that or death. It is not so good at affirmatively acting. There's, there's at least three occasions. Well, maybe three is too much looking back. I'll say two. On at least two occasions, the French could have wiped Adolf Hitler off the map. Off the map. They didn't. And at least two, they could have done it. They didn't. One time, they even found, they, they even, one time, the Nazi panzer division on its way into France had like massive mechanical failure and was stalled out on an open road defenseless. Like almost the entire Nazi infantry unit. True story. And the French aerial recon stumbles across it. 
and 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 their recon says goes back to high command and says, "Hey guys, why just wait for him to get to Paris? These guys are stalled out on the in the French countryside. Not a lot of civilians. Let's just go." wipe them. We don't have to do the barn like we did in World War One. We have to do that one again. Let's just go wipe them out right now. Right now. I mean, fate's delivered them into our hands. French high command's like, that can't be that simple. We're going to hang out here in Paris. I, I, true story. That actually happened. And it wasn't the first time. That's what human nature typically is. You know why? Because we're sons of Adam. And when the devil stepped to his wife, what did Adam do? Oh, hell no. Let me go grab a switch. I'm the vicar of this planet. God Almighty said I'm in charge. Not this little slitherer. Let me teach him a lesson or two about, uh, you know, I'm a human being and you're crawling on your belly around here. Who's the superior? Spe- Is that what Adam did? Mm, no. Just he didn't, he didn't, a no, bit he outside. No, he didn't do any of that. He just, um, I got my law degree from Costco. Uh. That's what he did. He did that. And so that's what we've been doing that ever since. That's what we do as a species. We're real good about the big, bold Alamo stand when there's no back door and no way out. Not so good at why don't we squash this now before it starts rolling downhill. That's typically what we do. So... 70% of the Democratic Party, maybe more, doesn't want Bernie Sanders to be its nominee. Is that a big number? 70? That's that's a pretty big number. That's sizable. That's a lot of people. So then the only logical thing for them to do is not a damn thing and just let it happen. That's that's what human nature does. That is what it does. But let me tell you what they're going to be really good at. Okay? This, This will be a virtuoso performance. When and if he is the nominee and the economy doesn't tank and he's looking at, you know, helping Donald Trump become the first Republican president since 2004 to win the popular vote. And only the second one in 30 years. And maybe like winning the popular vote by like five or six points, like some massive number. okay, and and it's and it's a down ballot disaster for the Democratic Party as a whole bunch of corporate America that doesn't like Trump on a personal level lines up to support him to stop Jeremy Corbyn from winning. And Bill Maher ends up saying like post Labor Day, I could never bring myself to vote for Trump, but I'm not voting for Bernie Sanders. Never Sanders. Right? Here's what here's what all those 70% of Democratic primary voters who won't who won't stop him now. Here's what they're gonna be really good at if the economy doesn't tank, you know, sometime around mid-October. They'll be really good at it then. And then like every day from the second went from the first Wednesday in November on for the next six months, dude, they're going to be freaking Mozart at it. Okay. I told you that guy couldn't win. Told you he had no shot. Nobody listened to me. Nobody wanted to do anything about it. Right. Are they going to be really good at that? Yeah. Oh, they're going to be really good at it. You know why? Because I lived this. It's called post 2012 where I was the most terrible person in America, had to be fired and excommunicado from this movement in conservative media for simply pointing out a lying flip-flopper who came up with Barack Obama's worst idea before he had it, cannot beat Barack Obama. I had to, be, I had to go. I was terrible. I, I was just awful. I had to go. And then when he lost, suddenly the amount of people who wanted to come back to me and say, you know what, man, I wish somebody would have told me that we should have never nominated the guy that came up with it. We never even ran an Obamacare, like never came up in the whole election. 
I see a lot of Democrats do that. You guys have any thoughts on that? It'll be enjoyable to watch. Yes. We're still going to have the jokes, right? <laughs> we're always, we're always going to have the jokes, Aaron. Yes. Yes. I won't, I won't take those away from you. I promise. All right. Megan Gustafson says, yes, Bernie Sanders is a threat. I don't know why so many people my age and younger support his ideas. I know if he would have gotten the nomination, he probably, I think if he gets the nomination, he would probably beat Trump. People I know where I live either don't vote or went third party because they thought Sanders or didn't vote in 2016 or went third party because they thought Sanders got screwed. What, what was her name? Megan Gustafson was her name. Wow. She shares uh, a name with one of the best, uh, female college basketball players the last uh, five years or so. That's I, I at the university of Iowa at the university but of Megan Gustin was a brunette, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is a strawberry blonde. It's not her. Okay. No, I was her. distracted by that and I, I didn't even hear the questions. So that's, that's what's in her avatar. I can barely see what she is. I don't know where she lives, but anyway, uh, what do you think, Todd? No, no, but I don't, you if see, we, if, many if, if, people if, if, my age, it sounds like you are in she's young. an yeah, understandable probably. bubble where it. I, I sympathize with you for how <laughs> that the level of insanity you must be surrounded by on a regular basis. But uh, there's all kinds of grownups out there I know who will virtue signal all the time about leftist things. But at the end of the day, they really like their houses and their cars and their stuff. And it's going to be a bridge too far. Let, let's let's say we had the Logan's Run rule with elections. Do you remember that movie when we were kids? I that remember it, but movie? I'm not entirely sure. The so, rule. so Logan's Run is a great sci-fi movie from the 70s, and the it's based on a book, I think. But the point of the movie, starring Michael York, is that after you're after at age 29, you're given a huge on your 30th birthday, you're given a huge a huge party, all right? And supposedly you're sent off to like Utopia, but really you're you're soiling green. All right, you're, you're no longer of any use to any, society, okay? Um, so it, let's say we had the Logan's run rule with voting, and nobody older than 30 could vote. Trump versus Sanders, what happens? Sanders wins. Yeah. But by, uh, well, of course he does. What's the margin, though? What is it? Oh. 80, 85 to 15. <laughs> yeah. You think it's that it's, much? Yeah. I'd say three to one. Yeah. Three to one. So the question we've got to answer as conservative media is this, is that how much of that is typical? You're, you're, you're just that liberal when you're younger, you fall for it. How much, and then maybe you grow up, you get a business, you get married, you have kids, you realize maybe life's a little bit uh, uh, messier than the utopian scheme, your college professor sold you, that you're still paying for in student loans. And how much of it is religious fervor? That's, that's the question of that generation. Right. Yes. How much of it is their age and then how much of it is their religion? That's the question. And I don't know the answer to that, but we're going to discover it's it in the, in the time to come. It's moving in the direction of religion. I think it's probably more religiosity than it's been in past generations. I agree. I'm not ready to say it's overwhelmingly religious yet, but I do think it's more religious than it has been in past eras. On that, I absolutely agree with you. That's going to do it for... This Friday, we're going to stick around and do some overtime. Best and worst of the week for our Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, have a fantastic weekend. Don't forget, we're off on Monday. So we will see you all again on Tuesday. Until then, John 317.
This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.